BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host Lucas with Jonathan. And Jonathan, we got some stuff to talk about today, but before we get into that, I just want to ask, how was your weekend, man? We're recording on Sunday, August 27th. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, pretty relaxing, honestly. Um, so yeah, not nothing too big happened this weekend. What about you? Uh, you know, end of NFL preseason, so you know, that was cool. Um, that Trey Lance trade uh, to the Cowboys was crazy. I wasn't expecting oh. that. Dude, that was wild. Dallas yeah. continues to just, I don't know. I think they just shoot themselves in the foot with news. But I, 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 I don't i don't think that was a good move. But, you know, that's okay. Uh, you know, Dallas is going to be interesting to watch on both, you know, NFL and NBA. But let's go ahead and jump into the Sixers here. And first thing I want to talk to you about is Tyrese Maxey. You know, he's the young guy of the group. He's the future of the franchise outside of Joel. And, uh, you know, he's been pretty quiet about stuff in the past, but he, he spoke up a little bit in terms of what's going on with the Sixers right now. And uh, when asked about the Harden situation, the the basic one, there's more to it, but I'm just going to read you the basic one here, is this is not my first rodeo in reference to, of course, Ben Simmons. So let me ask you this. How is this similar to the Ben Simmons situation for Maxie in terms of how Maxie needs to approach this or is approaching yeah. it? I think Maxie's approach is similar. Like, I think you and I have talked in the past about how the situations with Harden and Simmons differ. But um, with Maxie, I mean, when Simmons was here, he was back up uh, point guard and up and coming. And I think he's he's a little farther along in his career, but still clearly probably the second fiddle for at least handling the ball. Um, so I think, yeah, he understands that, like, he needs to put in the work that right now nothing's promised. He doesn't know which way this might go, but he just needs to be, be like ready at all costs. And I think that he kind of is that guy. So I trust that when he says these, like I, I know he had quotes about like whether Harden comes back or not, like 
he's going to be prepared either way. And I completely, completely believe that he will. So I think he was extremely like professional in his comments. I'm kind of glad he spoke up and, and just said something so people don't put words in his mouth. But I, I, uh, I, I liked what he had to say. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was professional. I, look, somebody has to be professional in Philly. And we know that Joel is more of a joker than anything. And, you know, James clearly isn't. So, you know, it's nice to see at least one star player uh, taking the reins of professionalism and not just <laughs> it. No, I mean, look, look, in terms of acting like a quote unquote professional, it was Tobias Harris until this like until Maxi did it right here. And Tobias Harris is your fourth best player. So not a great look, but I mean, for the Sixers as a whole, but in terms of Tyrese, look. This is similar. Like, he's going to be, you know, assuming that let's just, you know, worst case scenario, James doesn't play. He's going to take on the primary point guard role like he did when, uh, you know, when Ben didn't play. The, You know, and I guess we'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about the difference this time. But in terms of, you know, mentally preparing for that, I'm sure it's a similar path. And, I, you know, even if James was coming back, I think, you know, we heard from new head coach Nick Nurse saying that, you know, he wanted the ball in Maxie's hands more anyway. So there was going to be a more of control of the offense to Maxie, you know, in terms of ball handling regardless. But let's talk about yeah. the difference now. What's what's the difference here for Maxie versus, so, versus the Ben Simmons situation? So I think, like, I don't know what relationship Ben and Maxie had, but I think that in my mind the difference is, like, how upfront and outgoing the relationship is between James Harden and Maxie. It genuinely seems like they're, like, really good friends. The second Harden got here, he mentored him. He took him under his wing, was really helpful with, like, helping him develop. And, and you have to say that he was a big part of Maxie's development, like, last end of last year and this year. So I think that just the relationship has been really good. Not necessarily to say that Ben's and Maxie's wasn't, but uh, I think Maxie's more of a similar player to Harden being, like, a score-first point guard. Um, obviously different than Ben, who strictly passing, but... Just the relationship between Harden and Maxi, even now, like as they're going through this, it says Maxi seems to like support Harden, tell him he's got his back, and and they'll be friends either way. And and he said that even if he's not here, that he knows like James will be his biggest supporter. So I think that's probably the main difference for me. Well, I I I, I don't disagree, but I think it's more than that because we got to think about this. Last time, you know. When Ben Simmons sat out, Maxie was just coming into his second year. He was still learning the NBA because he was a backup. He was a backup. Even though we thought he probably should have started in that playoff series, he was a backup. And it was his first time starting, getting primary ball handling responsibilities. So there's less of a learning curve for Maxie. Granted, new head coach. But this head coach isn't nearly as rough on his point guards as Doc Rivers was. Because we know history with Doc Rivers. You look at Rajon Rondo. You look at Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You know, Doc Rivers was really tough on his point guards, and the, Nick Nurse it seems to be more of a, you know, he he doesn't seem to be as, you know, demanding as much of his point guards. Granted, he's had some pretty good ones, so I, I think there's that to consider. And I think the fact is, is that Maxie's a better player than he was, and, you know, he's more vocal now. We talked about that just now, and I think in terms of, like, what's different is, you know, Maxie didn't... You know, before then, Maxi was coming off the bench. Maxi made it himself very clear last year that he sees himself as a starter in this league, whether it's point guard or shooting guard. You know, and I think there's a level of confidence here that's going to be different for Maxi, and I think that's going to help him take a big jump here uh, 
which I guess brings me to my last question here. How will Maxi adapt this time around versus last time? You know, he struggled a little bit last time. It wasn't until right before the James Harden trade that Maxi was really starting to find his niche as a playmaker. So what's different this time around? What, what will he have to do differently? I think what you're saying, like where he was like a clear backup with Ben, that's, that's probably what he's going to have to adapt to. Because whether Harden comes back or not, like he is – he likely will be a starter this year with Nick Nurse if Harden's here or not. And if Harden is continues his decline, even if it's not like a fall off a cliff, Maxi might be called upon in those big moments. You know, him and Embiid being the guys to go to uh, in the playoff game. So I really think that his like next step that he has to take is being that guy, like the dude who wants the ball at the end of the games, who goes and gets the ball and tries to take this team as himself. I mean, even if Harden's back, he's going to be a year older he's going to be a year closer to his end and he can't run a team like that max is still young enough has that speed the athleticism like the blow by i think that he's just needs to not be afraid to like be the best version of himself by deferring to james i think he needs to get his confidence and know that hey you can be one of the final one of the two guys taking the shot at the end of the game like that's you so i just think he needs to build on his confidence and and not Sit back if Harden comes back. I, I want to build you, on what I just. I want to build on what you just said there because yeah. last time when he was, you know, taking over for Ben, it felt like Doc Rivers wanted him to be more of a playmaker than a scorer. I think Nick Nurse is not going to worry about his playmaking. He wants him to attack, and I think what we're really going to see is a Maxi that is going to be getting his numbers. I think he's going to be, you know, he he probably won't be leading the team in scoring. But if he's at 24-25 and Joel's at 26-27, would I be surprised? No way. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be. Because I think Maxi, you know, he's another year better. He's working with Drew Hanlon, who's Embiid's co- you know, shooting coach. And usually, you know, he does a pretty good job with those guys. So I, I, I honestly think that Maxi, um, look, I don't think it's good for the Sixers or good for, you know, Maxi to be the team's leading scorer, per se. But if him and Joel are like neck and neck and Joel has a slight lead there, I'm pretty happy with that. And I I, I think that's just being a leader, being the guy. I think, you know, he was just more or less trying to fit in when he took over for Ben. Now he has to be one of the guys, if not the second guy. You know I what completely I completely mean? agree. Yeah, I think completely that's agree. Difference. Yeah, definitely. So I'm looking forward to Maxi season regardless of if Harden's here back or not. Um but speaking of Sixers roster, we got to talk a little bit about the wings because that is clearly the weakness. Um, it's yeah. kind of been the weakness in years past, too. So right now, obviously, we have Tobias Harris for the time being and Daniel House. So a name that comes up every once in a while is Furkan Korkmaz. And you never know with like new coaches if different players might get opportunities. I mean, with Brett Brown, I think Furkan had some chances. He kind of got stashed with Doc the past couple of years. So is there... Like, any chance you think he could crack into this wing depth? Well, I mean, the here's the pros and cons with, you know, they need his shooting, especially with Niangon. There, there's no denying it. They need extra shooting, and he can give that. The question is, Nick Nurse usually likes guys that can defend. And we both know that that's not Korkmaz. So it depends on how willing Nurse is willing to compromise on his, you know, on his, you know, players playing defense. But look, if anything happens to Bias or Daniel House, or Daniel House is just a dud like he was off and on last season, 
then yeah, there's minutes for Korkmaz because I don't think Nick Nurse likes to play bigger versus smaller, and I don't see them playing Melton or James at the three or Jaden Springer at the three. I just don't see that happening because that's really small then. So I, I think that it's more than likely that he he I think there is a way for him to get minutes. Yeah, I mean it's it's a shooting, right? That's like yeah. if he's on and he can knock down shots, that's that's the pro that could maybe get him to see some minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So do uh, do you think that that will be the case? Like when the season comes, maybe mid season, like he's in the rotation getting minutes, or maybe he's going to get traded since it's the last year of his contract. It's hard to believe that it's already the last year of that fifteen million dollar year contract for three years, right? I mean, fifteen yeah. million for three years. But yeah, yeah I was it's gonna the last say fifteen per. No way. No, 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 no. We could have turned that into something solid. No, but I mean, look, it depends on what's going on with James Harden. I think honestly, the reason why the Sixers didn't make a lot of moves is because they are waiting to see what happens with Harden at the wing depth. Because I do think they like the backcourt of Maxi and Melton, or even Maxi and Springer. So if you can get a small forward, which would be my goal at this point, if I'm the Sixers. You know, get a small forward slide, Tobias back to the four, have P.J. coming on off the bench, the two-way forward, that, then, yeah, I think that's that's your option. I I think it's more likely – I think it's more likely that he gets traded just because he's on the last year of his contract and teams aren't going to be afraid to take that deal now because, you know, bad salaries don't look nearly as bad when they're on the last year. And that's what it is. It is a bad deal for Moss. Absolutely. So – I think it's more likely that he gets traded, but, you know, we could just see him on the bench the whole time, too. It, it really depends. It really depends, Jonathan. Yeah, I I am unsure what's going to happen with Furkan, but maybe he'll demand a trade for the third year in a row. That's possible. Well, no, it wasn't third. Okay, he demanded a trade. This it would be three. the third. No, this, if he does this year. Yeah, no, but he didn't demand, demand one two years ago. He demanded one, like, three or four years ago, and then he demanded wow. one last year. Still three, even if not consecutive. Three, three trade, yeah, three trade demands. Absolutely sure, and they will fall on depth years, and we all will laugh yet again. All right. Yep. That being said, our website recently came out some with some really good articles, and I just wanted us to dive into these. And I'm going to do the first one here, and it was our former producer Uriah that wrote this one, and um, it's the ten, the top ten Sixers bust. From 2000. Now, to be clear, Uriah is not just talking about draft picks. He's talking about trades, free agent signing, draft picks, any transaction, really. So the top 10 busts. So that being said, we're going to go through them. We're going to talk about whether or not we agree with them. And if there's anybody that we, you know, maybe reorder them or add somebody that that's wasn't there. You know what I mean? So with that yep. being said, let's go on. So his 10th top 10 bust of all time is the drafting of speedy claxton in 2000 so speedy yeah, Cla- so yeah so for those that don't know speedy claxton was a first round pick uh kind of no speedy obviously he was fast he 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 did okay he struggled as a rookie but then they traded him pretty much soon after uh the next season to the san antonio spurs and he Went on to be a fringe NBA player. So, do we agree yeah. with this one? Yeah, I do. See, I don't think this was the worst um, pick. And obviously, there's 10 of these. So, 
they definitely get progressively worse. I can understand he didn't have the career that some people thought of. And, and when you use a first-round pick, it's kind of difficult to – you get kind of disappointed, obviously. Um, but that's that's the way it is in the NBA. I feel like the only locks are at the top. So um, I, I get it. I, I'm cool with it being number 10. I mean, it's yeah. okay. But if we're going for, like, bad draft picks, what about that 2017 trade where we traded our uh, – a future pick for, uh, oh gosh, what was it? It was uh, that center. What was his name? You know who I'm talking about? The guy that I never don't. played for us. Hang on, is this on the? Is it on the list? No, it's not on the list. That's why I. Uh, hang on, let me pull it up here. It's gonna take me a minute because he was they they traded. It was one of the uh, moves that a uh, caller, uh, um, big caller made. Uh, Brian really? Colangelo, for those that don't get the reference there. Big collar, I love that. No, I was yeah. thinking, uh, yeah, because the majority of the things on the list, I think, are pretty much locks. But I think we both agree that, yeah, maybe number 10, there could be some flexibility. I'm interested to hear what you got. Hang on, give me a second here. I got to find this. Where, what was it, the 2017 draft? So I guess it would be here. 2017, what pick did we have? Re- early? Well, no, we traded for the pick. Oh. We oh. traded for the pick. So we actually traded the pick that became Tyrese Maxey to the Orlando Magic in a second-round pick as well to get Zenchens uh, Pazegniks. That is on the next article list, Lucas. Is it on the next article list? It is on the next article list. Okay, so I'm I feel vindicated there a little bit, but um, thanks for ruining that for me. But yeah, no. Um, <laughs> well, we're gonna talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, no, that I think that was a worse trade than this. Obviously, we got Maxi backs for thanks to the Markel trade, but still, not a not an ideal situation there. That being said, let me go to the next one here, number nine is drafting Zaire Smith, trading Mikel Bridges for Zaire Smith. Yeah, man, this is tough. Honestly, I thought this could have been higher. This I is one this, of those ones. I, this could have been yeah, so much higher. This is one of those ones that just really hurts you because they drafted Mikael Bridges. His mom worked at the organization. Nova kid felt good. He's an incredible player now. And just the trajectory. Imagine if trajectory. we had him. Imagine Dude. if we had him. We wouldn't have made. I, I, the, I don't think we would have made the Jimmy Butler trade, or if we did, you know, maybe we probably wouldn't have had to give him up in it because clearly we didn't have to give up anything in, in you know, significant value in that. Like, uh, could have saved us so much trouble. Could have helped Dude, us the, so much. From draft night, the trajectory of Zaire Smith and Mikael Bridges is just so much different. And I will say, like, I think Mikael Bridges is the right pick, but man. Watching Zaire at Texas Tech, he was jumping out of the gym. Yeah, he had shooting issues, but he was fun to watch. And I know you said he's on the G League team, so wish well, him the best he was, of luck. he was on a summer league roster, and I was rooting for him. He actually yeah. pulled it up against the Sixers. But it, it's a, look, the, the biggest thing I think that hurt him was that al- peanut allergy thing. But it's, it's hard to come back from almost dying. You know, there's that. We got to give, you know, we have to consider that when looking at Zaire Smith. But I mean, still, the the shooting never came along. At least while he was with the sick, you know, blue coats, and that's that's just something that can't work work out. Yeah. And you know, I 
when we first drafted Jaden Springer, I had Zaire Smith flashbacks. Hopefully I'm being proven wrong this season. We'll have to wait and see, but I, he could have been a higher, but I understand why he had it here. Yeah. Number eight. Okay. You guys have to remember, Uriah is like significantly older than me. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, not, not to put shade on Uriah, you know, he, he, he he was in college in the eighties, you know, eighties nineties. He's the so. he's a Sixers historian. That's what he's the a historian. historian. So this next one was when they signed got Chris Weber. At the yeah, end of the, so uh, at the end of towards the end of his career, right? I mean, yeah, in Sacramento, yeah. Sacramento, he was great. He was on one of the best teams to never win a title. But but, but he at, was at the at, end of his prime. We traded Brian yeah. Skinner, Kenny Thompson, and Cor- uh, Curlis Williamson. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this is deserves to be on the list. I think maybe more so because people had a lot of hype with Chris Weber from his talent, obviously. Look, I remember my friends getting Sacramento. all excited, excited about it. I remember that. Yeah. So I, I see why he's on the list. It's tough that he uh, couldn't have the – couldn't have had a couple of years, like, towards the end of his career with the Sixers. Maybe it could have been something different if he was still that guy. But, yeah, I think this is a good spot. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Now, I'm going to say this one. I think the reason why Uriah has this one seventh is because he's a little too... Uriah is very salty about the Drew Holiday trade. I don't know if you know this, Uriah, uh, yep, Jonathan, yep. but he's very salty about that Drew Holiday trade. So he has trading Drew Holiday for the pick that became New Orleans Noel. So, yeah, I... Come on, man. That's a, that's a, I think that's a gimme. I want to go into this. Look, look, it was sound logic at the time. I understood it. And I honestly, know, before before he had the injury in Dallas, he was looking like he could be, uh, you know, maybe not quite as good as Drew Holiday, but like a really good player before he had that injury in Dallas. Because like, look, all the def- like defensively, like he was fantastic and he was projected to be a top pick in that draft. And that draft was Outside of Giannis, which nobody really, you know, expected anybody to come out good. Like, outside of Giannis, like, nobody really, like, maybe Victor Oladipo. But that draft was not a strong draft. So, like, I get I, I get it. I get it. I, I, I guess you can make the argument it should be on here. And do I believe it's one of the most horrendous moves that they made? No, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't know, man. I would go to the arena, see the upper level, have a section for, like, Drew's jail. It was people going nuts. I loved watching Drew Holiday in the six. Drew Holiday uniform. was fantastic. I'm not denying that. The, the The issue wasn't the trade itself. I mean, the issue wasn't Nerland's Noel. It was the trade itself. It probably yeah, could have gotten more. We could have, but also Drew could have been around a lot longer. He was young when we traded him. I think it was a bad play. I get the hype around Nerlens and all, but well, man, all he was young and skinny and, and like you I know, don't know, man. It, it was all about the tanking because you couldn't really tank with Drew Holiday. Granted, Drew yeah. Holiday went through like several seasons of like where he barely played because of injury. Thanks after that trade to New Orleans, so you know you still could have probably tanked. Um, assuming those injuries were still the same and he came out the same way. All right, number six. Jaleel Okafor. This feels too low for that. Drafting Jaleel Okafor. Look, I remember 
that draft, I was in my, I was like, had just graduated college. I was still hanging out around campus. I was hanging out with one of my buddies in like the student lounge. We were watching the draft on TV. And I was like, man, I really need D'Angelo Russell to fall third because we don't need a big man, right? And then D'Lo yeah. goes second. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, they're going to take Jaleel. They, they're going to, they're going to. But to be fair, like after Jaleel, was there anybody really in that draft that was worthwhile? I mean, after Jaleel, there was absolutely a drop off. That was a three person draft, but it also well, gets I mean, no, to the point where you don't need Jaleel Okafor. I mean, yeah, four. Was, yeah. But uh, you don't need Jaleel Okafor. So that's where at that point in the draft, you think a shrewd general manager says, hey, we absolutely don't need this guy. And this is a three, maybe four person draft. Someone wants to jump up to get him. And also, it was, like, clear that the the big man center was slightly going away. I know it hadn't gone away at this time, but, like, we did not need him. And I just think that this is the time to trade back in a draft, not just take someone um, – or take him and trade him before the season. I don't know, but this is a tough, tough pick. Yeah, they, they should have traded him during that rookie year. That That's when they had to have traded him, when his value – when he was averaging, like, 17 points per game. That was the time to do it because after that, his his value just, you know, plummeted. I'm, I'm going to look up this draft here real quick to see who was available. We weren't going to take Porzingis, even though he was listed as a power forward. It just was I don't I didn't see us taking Porzingis. Couldn't take. And it was Mar- interesting because while you looked that up, it was interesting because D'Lo was like, I remember this draft, too. Up until maybe, maybe three, two days before, I felt like it was. Cat and Okafor one two like a lock, and it seemed yeah. very clear that D'Lo was going third, and it was kind of a shock, like like as the draft approached that he went second. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. So let me tell you the the top, uh, you know, rest of the lottery picks here from this draft, just the rest of the lottery picks, and you tell me. I mean, to be honest, the lottery was not that kind. To the, I mean, the only guy that you could really say that the Sixers. Because, like, Mario Hernandez, is that how you say his name? Mario, uh, or Zonia, Hizonia, that's his name. Mario Hizonia. Oh, yeah. Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah. Emmanuel <laughs> Moutier. Gosh, that, that did not work out. Stanley Johnson was even worse. Um, Frank Kaminsky, forgot about oh, that. That's remember, brutal. Remember when Boston tried to trade four picks, including picks that would have became Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for that ninth pick from Charlotte to get Justice Winslow, and he went the next pick to the Heat. Yeah, he had wasn't he, was he the uh small ball center for the Heat when they were on that run? No, no, he? no, he was the, he was the large point guard. Yeah, I know, but didn't they play him at, like, center in the lineup with LeBron? I don't – no, no, no. He never was there with LeBron. This is 2015. Oh, all right, all right. No, you're thinking of uh, Joel Anthony. Anthony, Joel Anthony. I don't know why. He was, like, 6'8", but that's not even – that's not even considered small ball now anymore. Miles Turner, Trey Lyles. Now, this is the one that bit everybody in this draft. Devin Booker. Yeah, that was the one. That's the main guy in the draft. That's tough. I mean, we still, I think, uh, where is, I thought I saw Grant here somewhere. No, that's Jaron Grant. Sorry, not Jeremy Grant. We did get Rashawn Holmes, but we traded him away for $2 million. Man, that got me so mad. That did not make this list. I'm, I wish it did, but it did not. You mean not. you weren't excited for Montrez Harrell to go 32nd in that draft? 
I, I forgot that he was in that draft. Yeah, you know, he was. You know who I was actually high on in that draft in the second round was uh, Jordan Mickey. I don't even know who that is. He was a undersized rebounding big man from LSU. He played for uh, played for Boston and Miami a little bit. Norman okay. Powell was in that second round. That's a sleeper, but yeah, yeah he, Booker's the guy. He uh, he went forty sixth in that draft. We got PJ Top- Topkoto in that draft too. I forgot about him. Pat Connaughton was in the second. round. Yeah, no, there were some decent second rounders in this. This, I mean. The the top end talent was not that impressive in this draft. I mean, yeah, it, it was Devin Booker, Towns, and then every uh, Porzingis, and then everybody else. Maybe, well, okay, who's had the better career, Russell or Porzingis? Mm, I'd probably say Russell. I guess yeah, with the one All Star appearance, but I'd rather have Porzingis on my. Well, would I? <laughs> Who would I rather have? Oh. Thank God I'm not a GM. Okay, anyway, to the next one. To the next one, number five. We're halfway through. All right. Was the drafting of Evan Turner. Gosh. I was excited for that pick, too. I thought he was going to be good. Dude, I don't think that's the worst. Like, this is a tough one for me because hindsight is twenty twenty. I think that was a fine pick in the moment. Like, there's some things where, like, mm-hmm. some of the things on the draft on this list were like, oh, like, we didn't need Okafor. Like, people could see we didn't need Okafor. Like, man, Turner was a beast in college. Well, let me just tell you who got drafted behind him and then reconsider that, okay? So other players uh, – oh, hang on. I went too far back. It was the 2011 draft, wasn't it? Yeah. No, no. Hang 10, on. 2009. 10, 2010. Yep, 2010. All right, here we go. So John Wall went first. Um Fair, I get. Well, Paul George probably would have hindsight, but like John Wall at the time, understandable. Evan Turner went second, third went Derek Favors, fourth went Wesley Johnson, fifth Demarcus Cousins, ninth Gordon Hayward, tenth Paul George. I mean, yeah, this is hindsight, though. I mean, I don't think those guys were playing at the level that Evan Turner was playing in college. It was pretty much a lock for one two. I mean, look, I I get it, I get it. Oh. You know who actually has a surprising amount of win shares in this draft? Who? Greg Monroe. He has oh, more win shares than DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, and John Wall. That's ridiculous. Yeah, no. I mean, look, he he's, what is he, fifth? He's only behind Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors. Oh, and Hassan Whiteside. I forgot that he was in this draft. I like how he's yeah, Whiteside. Later, but again, I think... In the moment, I'm okay with this one. Uh, I maybe you could put it in the top ten, but like at the time, it made sense. He was averaging like 26 and five at o- Ohio State. I'm not mad about that one. I probably would have put you know Ogafor or uh, what? What was number ninth? Who was number ninth? Hayward. 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 Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, not in the draft. Oh, Weber. No, not Weber. Uh, the Zaire Smith. I would have put that. I have number nine on this list. I got you. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Now we're going to oh, – this is going to give you flashbacks. Fourth is Andrew Bynum, a.k.a. the start of the, the process. We traded Iggy for him. Yeah, Dan so I, I think four through one in any order – we'll get there. But in any order, I think these are clearly the four. 
biggest bust. So, um, yeah, Andrew Bynum, tough, tough look. Uh, this is like one of the ones that anyone talks about, like worst trades in Sixers history. Like he didn't even really play for us that much. Like he so much play. hype. He was a one. He, he was did, a he one. He didn't play. Yeah, and he was one one. So you have so much expectations, man. This sucked. But look, he was arguably the best big man at that time in the NBA outside of Dwight Howard. And he was like him and Howard going back and forth, which is really crazy to think about. Um, And he had just made his first All-Star game. He was 25 years old. There was no reason to think that this was a bad move when it was made. You're right. You are right in the moment. In the moment, it made sense. I mean, because, you know, with Iggy and I think there was just not enough ball between Iggy Drew and uh, Evan Turner, and I think they were trying to open up things for Evan, which was fair. I mean, and you needed a dominant post player because I think that was like, wasn't it that Elton's last year or close to it? Um, so oh, yeah. like, yeah, look, they it made sense to just you know he had a history of knee problems. He had only played above sixty games twice. Uh, that the the year before he got traded was sixty games exactly. And before that season, he only played over 30 minutes twice, uh, 35 being his season high. So, like, the guy was fantastic. He was a two-way center. Great. The year before, 18 and 11, and uh, almost two blocks a game. But health should have been a big red flag for everybody involved, and it wasn't. So that's on the GM, who I think was Rod Thorne at the time. Right? It was Rod Thorne, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So – um, you know, this that's just, you know, a little flashback there. But, yeah, no, I think that deserves to be in the top four. All right, the next one. Now, this is a hard one. I don't – Yeah, I don't mm, I don't love it. I don't – the value that you got back, you can't exp- – he wasn't – he hasn't been injured. Let, let me just you say what it is. It. James, you got to present it. Yeah, you got to present it. Yeah, sorry. It's James Harden, trading for James Harden. Now, let's think about what you what the trade was and what James Harden was and what he has been for the Sixers up to this point prior to, like, the whole entire hissy fit that he's in right now, right? So Ben Simmons was a distressed asset. You know, he looked terrible in the playoffs the year before. He refused to play, you know, a whole bunch of drama between him, the coach, the other players, the front office, all of it. He wasn't playing – it was a bad look for the Sixers. The Sixers were still near the top of the East despite all this. And uh, Joel was having his first MVP caliber season. And, uh, you know, you get a guy in Harden who was, you know, not happy with the Kyrie situation in, in Brooklyn, which is more than understandable. I think the Kyrie situation was just ridiculous in Brooklyn. And, you know, he was getting preferential treatment because he's, you know, Kevin Durant's guy. Or he was. I don't know if he still is. But um, my point being here is that you only think about it. If you're thinking about on the court, like, because let's just take Ben Simmons out of it for a second because he has not looked good since then. And now he, he could look good this year and this changes the dynamic of the trade. But you only gave up your starting shooting guard, a backup center and two first-round picks for a guy yes. who was still averaging around, like, 23 and 10. Yeah, so I don't necessarily, like, 
I think the Harden situation is one of the worst things that's going on. I agree with you. I'm making that trade, especially with all the stuff that was going on with Ben Simmons. Teaser. Um, but, man, like, the what the situation we're in now with Harden is just – I think, again, with hindsight being 2020, you could have seen this. He did it in Houston. He did it in Brooklyn. Yeah, he said he wanted to be here, but this is kind of his MO. I, I don't think it was the worst idea to trade for him in the moment. It's just a tough look right now, and it's, it's so apt because we're living in it right now. Yeah, I think looking back, I mean, did he get us any further than Ben? No. But did he make us worse? No. I, I think it's a wash on this. Yep. Let's, let's go to number two. And this one is accurate, and I feel bad about this one. This could be number one in my this, I, I honestly think it should be number one. Is the the drafting of Mark Elfolds. And back when the draft was going on, and Chris will deny it, but I promise you I said this to Chris and our side experts at the time, that if you believe that Ben Simmons is your point guard of the future, you do not get another point guard. You go out and you get a, a wing. And I was I was saying from the beginning they should go for Jason Tatum. Honestly, man, this getting fleeced, we gave up like a, essentially a first and a third overall pick back-to-back drafts to get Markel Fultz. I think I mean, we gave up what became like the ninth pick. Okay. The and then, the th- and then yeah, but we gave him the third. Yeah, the third overall and a, a first-round pick the next year. It's, it's such a tough look because of, again, what happened with Markel Fultz's career. But as Chris loves to push, and I will give him some credit because he's not here, Markel was very elite in college. But what you need to see is no matter how elite they are in college, this applies to Markel and Ben. You could neither of them got their team to the NCAA tournament. And in back-to-back years, you're drafting these players who, in a game where one person can make such a big difference, they're not even getting their team in a field of 68. Like, I don't care how bad the team is that there is on. Like, if you're taking someone that high, you got to be so confident. And yes, you're right. With Jason Tatum in that draft, Lonzo Ball, like, obviously he has his issues with his knee, but... It can't be so certain this is the only guy. And, and trading up, man, this one really hurt. This one was like, especially because it was Boston, right? That's what makes it worse. So, actually, looking back at the trade now, I'm pulled it up here. They only gave up, you know, obviously the third pick in that draft, which became Jason Tatum, which the Celtics were going to pick anyway. But And even if you didn't want Tatum, like there was – who was the second pick of that draft? It wasn't – Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. But – if you're like, thinking about No, 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 go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, but like if I know Boston kept it close to the chest, but like they said they wanted Tatum all along and I kind of believe that. Like someone should have been able to figure that out instead of having to be like you could have probably still got Markel at 3 cuz the Lakers were locked on Lonzo. Yeah. But um, you know, my thing the only other so the the, the other draft pick that it became was Romeo Langford who is like about okay. to be out of the league. So in terms, yeah, it, it could have been worse. But no, like Markel, like the, and it's it's a thoracic uh, shoulder injury. It's a thoracic. Thoracic outlet syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Thank you. I remember when they first came out with it. I could say it on point every single time, but now I can't remember it because it's been so long. But look, no, that is a very rare disease. It only happens, it usually happens in baseball players. Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Uh, and it's really hard to recover from. And look, Markel has be still without the three-point shot, a consistent three-point shot, is still a starting caliber point guard in this league. 
who's averaging around 17 and what was it? 17 and 6, 17 and 7. I don't know. Is let's see. Last yeah, season, last a, season, he okay. Last season, he had a down year. But like, okay, um, last season he actually had a career high. It was uh, 14 points and uh, five, uh, almost six assists. So like, and 1.5 steals. Like the guy's pretty solid. He's solid, but picking him one, that's why he's on yeah, this list. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, look. And then just bringing in, I think the the thing that made it worse was the Sixers were trying to win then. And you brought in Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is not that type of guy that you can't be trying to figure things out with. Like, he's ready to go. And then on top of that, you already had another non-shooter in Ben Simmons. You can't have three non-shooters on the – like, maybe if it was just Joel and Markel, it could have worked out. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. But, you know, anyway, let's let's finish up this list. And, of course, for those that haven't been able to figure it out by now, it's Ben Simmons. And look, yeah. I'll be honest. In my heart of hearts, during this draft, I was like, I think I'd rather have uh, Brandon Ingram. Because yes. in my head, I'm just like, one guy barely shoots threes. One guy can't shoot threes. The NBA is going to a three-point shot. I get that Ben Simmons is NBA ready, and he can do a lot at the beginning. But if you're rebuilding like the Sixers have been, you can be patient for Ingram. And Ingram like really shot up in year four, I think. It was, which was about the time the Sixers were really start, uh, you know, contending. Let's see, Brandon Ingram. Yeah, but do you know how they were like they? This was Baby LeBron was his nickname. Like he and he never shot the ball. Yeah, but he didn't need to. People thought he was like Magic LeBron mm-hmm. on one. So picking him one one was like he was the guy. It just again yeah. stinks how it turned out, and then how he just like like ruined his way out of Philly. Like oh man. Definitely number one, or good number one. I could see if it was marked out, but I understand Uriah here. This was tough. Because here's the thing. Outside of that first playoff appearance that Ben made, he's basically been a a negative in the playoffs. You know, (laughs) when it was just his team. And I just want to say this. Even though, you know, I'm looking at Brandon Ingram now, he has had injury issues. Don't get me wrong. He's only played 60-plus games three times in his career so far. But... One healthy, he's averaging in the low 20s. And a decent playmaker, too. He's at, at Last year, he averaged uh, almost six assists. So you're telling me that a guy that maybe not as good as a defender has been, or versatile, but can playmake near the same level, can score a heck of a lot more, rebounds a little less. But I, you know what? It just feel, feels like the Sixers seriously whiffed on this one. And after his rookie year... You know, Brandon Ingram averaged at least uh, 16 points a game, if not more. And for the past four years, he's been averaging above 22. So, yeah, that, it just I, makes you wonder. We whiffed yeah. a lot. And and I know that you can't predict things like injuries and t- thoracic outlet syndrome and Ben, like not shooting. But there has to be some level. Maybe you can predict it at some level. And I think just missing on a lot of drafts, like that's why this last decade has been kind of tough. Or since 2000, really. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead to the other one now. Yeah, speaking of the last decade, so at another article for the top 10 biggest mistakes of the last 10 years with the Sixers. So um, more just negativity, obviously, which is tough, but uh, we got to go here. We got to go here and go through the top 10 biggest mistakes. So number 10 on the list is the one you wanted to talk about. 
trading up for honest. I'm going to butcher this name. Honest Pesenix. And yes, we traded Pesen- the pick that turned. It- hang on, hang on, hang on. I know how to pronounce his last name. It's Pasentnix. Pasentnix. Well, we yeah. traded the pick that turned out to be Tyrese Maxey, but we got it back. Because so, we traded all Fultz. worked out. Because we traded Fultz for James Ennis, who, by the way, I liked James Ennis when he was on the team. He was a good guy. So I'll just set this up a little more for you. We could have drafted uh, OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma, Derek White, Josh Hart, all selected like, after um, yeah, what we moved I, up to I, trade. I, I wanted Kyle Kuzma so bad in that draft. You don't even know. Um, yeah, so that's what happened. What are, what are your thoughts? Look, Colangelo likes his European guys. We know that back from his days in Toronto when he went for, uh, oh gosh, Bargnani. So he likes his big shooting guys. The guy never played in the I, – I, maybe he played in the NBA, but, like, never for the Sixers. He played in the G League trying to make it into the NBA. Never got very far. Hang on. Let me see here. Trying to spell this guy's name is, is a, a hurdle. He played – oh, my bad. He played a total of 28 games for the Wizards <laughs> in 2019 and the 2020 season. So, Yeah. Averaged about five points a game and four rebounds. Good job, caller. Uh, big caller Glad guy. we got the maxi pick back, though. That's yeah, that, that was thing. a smart move by the front office. I think well, – was who who did that trade? Was that Elton Brand? I think it was Elton Brand. Uh, I think yeah, it Elton was. Yeah, Brand, Elton Brand got – because that was the year that we traded for Jimmy and Brand was in charge of that. So, yeah, that was a good move by Brand. Well, All it's right. interesting you talk about foreign players because that takes us to number nine. Oh, they gosh. absolutely love their foreign players. Drafting TLC and the aforementioned Furkan Korkmaz. Look, I liked TLC when he was here. Uh, Timmy Luau Kabarab, for those that don't know who that is, and Korkmaz. Uh, look, that was the, what, 2016 draft? They passed on DeJounte Murray twice. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, but that's Colangelo thing. He likes his European imports. I mean, I don't know if he picked any American players during that time. Let's see here. Maybe he Who was trying did? to tank us. I think he just had his his thing. Oh, George Niang was in that draft. Oh, there we go. Passed on George Niang. Yeah, 50th. He went 50th. Yeah, no, we didn't have a pick in the second round by looks of it. He usually did. That's weird. Uh, yeah, no, we got Korkmaz, Cabra, and Ben Simmons in that trade, in that draft, I mean. So, yeah. Look, Korkmaz has been an in-and-out rotation player, and Cabra was a fringe NBA guy for a couple of years, but he hasn't been in the league since uh, 2022. So, uh, yeah, they missed out on some guys, but, I mean, so did other teams. Um, is this... The worst were they the worst players that were available? No, I, I get it. I get why you put them on the list, but I'm not. Uh, I'm honestly not too worried about it either. Yeah, and that's why it's at nine. So number eight, hiring Doc Rivers. So I don't hate Doc, but he was not my first choice. And I said this back before he got hired. I thought we should have gotten for Tyron Lue. Yeah, Tyron Lue has been great. But that's tough to come into the franchise where you got stepped over and it's the most famous picture of all time. You know, I'm not even worried about that, but you know who Chris wanted at the time? Just guess. Mark Dagnall. No. No. 
He is <laughs> not currently coaching in the NBA, though. He was an advisor last year. I'm not sure who he wanted. Mike D'Antoni. <sighs> yeah, okay. Well, this is before this is before we got James Harden, by the way. Joel Embiid cannot play in a Mike D'Antoni offense. I agree. It's like the worst coach-player matchup of all I, time. I agree. I totally agree. But, yeah, no, I mean, look, look, there wasn't a lot of great options. But the problem with Brown, and he mentions this in the article here, is that uh, – not Brown, I mean Doc – is that we could have had – a really good young core with Isaiah Joe, Charles Bassey. We gave up on Matisse Thibel. We could have afforded Matisse Thibel if we didn't care about, you know, um, long-term flexibility. We could have kept Matisse Thibel. Yeah, and I mean, we got, got rid of him for nothing. Yeah, we really did. No picks, no nothing, because, you know, Jalen McDaniels left. So, next one, tell us about it. Number seven, man, signing Al Horford, the only the dude who can only play in Boston. But at the time, I will say he was nicknamed by some, not in Philly, but by some as the Embiid stopper. And Boston was beaten up on us, and they still are. But like at the time, it's like, man, not only a win for us, get another big man. We need a backup for Embiid, but also a take from Boston. And that did not pan out at all. So let me tell you my reasoning of why I did not like the trade and why it didn't work. It didn't work because, I mean, not the trade, the signing. The signing, it didn't, I didn't like it because he was older and you were paying a lot for uh, essentially a backup center. Um, I didn't, I know it didn't work out because if you looked at the on and off numbers with just Joel and Horford without Ben Simmons, they were actually a plus for 100 possessions. They were actually a plus, believe yeah. it or not. But the problem is without without Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons murkied it all up because, you know, Al Horford, Joel are not high volume three point shooters. And with Ben not being a three point shooter at all, there just isn't enough three point shots to space the floor properly for all three. So I and Al Horford was also injured that year. I don't know if you knew this, but he had ankle problems going back to December. So, you know, could it have worked under different circumstances? I, I think so. I honestly think so. But, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, if you follow his sister on Twitter, which I know you don't, but his sister hates Philly so much. <laughs> no, she's, 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 she, she is, oof, it's been bad. But no, this, this, this makes sense. But I think in the right circumstances, this could have worked. Yeah. Well, all right. Number six, feel bad kind of doubling down. We can probably skim it a little, but it was trading up for Markel Fultz. So we already talked about it, but I agree. This is probably biggest bust of all time and our biggest bust since 2000 and one of the worst mistakes. So, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I you know, the the idea behind it was flawed. Like I said earlier, I think you should if you believed Ben Simmons was your point guard, you should go on for a wing. But, you know, anyway. And number five, repeat again, which I like this, drafting Jaleel Okafor. Look, there weren't a lot of good options after Russell, but still, yeah, no, this was wrong. Tough. So, all right, a new unique one, number four, maxing the wrong player, Tobias Harris. Okay, so let me come to to, to the Sixers' defense here. I think Sixers wanted to have Jimmy Butler back. I, I do. I believe that. 
But I believe the issue was is that Jimmy Butler was done with the Sixers before that playoff run was over. I believe he was done with it. Based off of what he said in an interview with JJ, agree. With, uh, with J.J. Redick, he was not coming back. Completely so, agree. So that being said, they didn't want to lose Tobias for any anything, right, for nothing. And Tobias's dad, who is his agent, knew this, and he took full advantage of the Sixers front office, and we panicked. Yeah, it, that, yeah it, we panicked. that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. And I look, I understand the panic. But he wasn't going to get that money elsewhere. But at the same time, I think he was willing to walk, which yeah, is understandable. Just put themselves in a tough situation making the trades for Jimmy and Tobias, both on I, expiring contracts. I, I, I wouldn't have traded for Tobias. I think I would have kept Jimmy. I think I would have gotten a different power forward, more of a spot up three guy, three and yeah. D guy. I, I think Tobias is not so much the. I mean, he's gotten better on defense in the last couple of years, but you needed a guy that was a low volume guy, and Tobias was not that. No, he is not. And uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But one year left on that contract. Um, so number three, another repeat. We got trading Mikhail Bridges. So yeah, as we touched on, just tough to see how great he's playing now, right? That's that's the tough part. Yeah. Yeah, no, I All agree. Right. Number two, it's phrased as, I'll give it to you this way, choosing Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. I'm not necessarily sure if that's exactly how it went. But I, the way it's presented in the article, it was clear that there was disagreements between Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons. And as you, I think as you, you're right, as you said, that Jimmy was ready to leave. Because uh, yeah, he didn't like how over. the franchise was doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is kind of kind of apt. Like I, they almost did choose Ben over Jimmy, don't you think? Uh, in a sense, I think, first off, you know, Brett Brown always had Ben's back. That's why I remember Jimmy saying something in that interview along the lines of he went to Brett Brown about changing the end of game offense allow in the regular season to allow him to have the ball in his hands and not Ben because he thought he could do better. And he was right. And Brett was just like, no, I don't want to do that. Ben's the point guard. And Jimmy's like, OK, yeah. cool. And then they changed it during the playoffs and that didn't sit well with Jimmy. Yeah, because Jimmy can bring up the ball, and it gave a different dynamic to the offense, and Ben couldn't play in a system where that worked. And if I remember correctly, that was the summer, too, that Ben got his uh, – what was that summer? Yeah, he was up for an extension. I think he got that extension, too, which wouldn't have impacted the Sixers' ability to, find, to sign Jimmy because, you know, they were able to get him at a – you know, they were still able to get him at a max contract price because – um, Ben's max extension wouldn't come in until next year. But I think the way that they tried to, you know, make Ben the guy when he wasn't the guy really bothered Jimmy. I think that yeah. that's, that's, that's what happened there. Yep. Well, that brings us to number one and extremely controversial. Um, I love, this is one of the most like important moments, obviously in Sixers history. Sam Hinkie being replaced with the Colangelos. Obviously, the NBA kind of forced this to happen uh, with how much tanking was going in the process. But still to this day, Sam Hinkie's manifesto is probably one of my favorite reads of all time. So tough, man, tough. I, whew. This is a real one. I don't, was replacing Hinkie the wrong thing to do? Maybe not necessarily. But who they replaced him with? 
was probably not even you know not even the elder Colangelo. I don't even think that was a problem. I think the problem was getting Brian in there because Jerry I mean, Jerry has turned almost everything he's done into gold. Right, he did a great job with the Phoenix franchise that was really struggling at the beginning, and then you know he made USA basketball respectable again. So. You know, it, it made sense to let him be a, an advisor to the Sixers. And, you know, I think the problem is that nepotism went out here. And that I think that's where the mistake happened. That is the issue. Jerry Colangelo is extremely well respected. He, uh, Brian Colangelo, not so much. Even he had a burner on his players. I mean, that is clearly, he clearly was not suited for the job. Look, I get it. Sam Hinkie was playing a 10 to 15 year game in a league where that's just not a thing. And I get it because we went through the process. That sucked. But truly, I actually think if he had had his entire time to do the process, which maybe, granted, he shouldn't have had because that's kind of ridiculous to play that game of just like odds making it for that long. If he had seen it to the end, got cut a couple of years short, I think we would have a championship right now. That's maybe wishful thinking, but it's just went from Sam Hinkie t- tweaking so much to a GM who just butchered it. Brian Colangelo was one of the worst things to happen to this franchise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely see this as number one. So this is going to be terrible to say. So I, when you were saying that, I was like, would Sam Hinkie really have picked Ben Simmons in that scenario, or would he have gone somewhere else? We'll never know. But then I thought about, well, what if he did pick Ben Simmons and he saw the shot was never going to happen? Would he have traded him like Marco Carter Williams? And then if he did, probably. And then if he did, like, and I'm, and then I got to myself. Well, what's the difference between MCW and and Ben Simmons? In real, like, realistically, what's the difference? I don't. I. I mean, like Ben. Ben's obviously bigger, stronger. Can you know? Can be more physical, a little bit more versatile switching, and a better ba- passing IQ, but. Outside of that, what's the difference? Maybe you're right. It's just I think like no, I, I'm like no. Obviously, like you know, Michael Carter Williams, fringe NBA guy now. But like in the grand scheme of things, their skill sets are actually really similar, and the weaknesses are even more similar. That's fine, but I just think that I don't know. I think Hinky in this situation would have found a way to capitalize or move on. And not just taking the sunk cost of just keeping Ben around summer after summer with no improvement. I well, do see what I mean, you're saying he now. Didn't, he didn't trade Okafor. He didn't trade Okafor. But maybe that's just stock. Yeah, who knows? Because we never got to see it through yeah. to fruition. But Colangelo, bad luck for the franchise. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was fun, man. Good articles up on our site. More stuff like this is going up. Um, I did one we might talk about next time about worst starters to ever play with ai and Ooh. one is in the works i'll give a little tease one is in the works for worst starters to ever play with Embiid. so uh, Ooh, see if you can sense. guess who may appear on that list Embiid will have a lot more i think um but yeah it was uh, one of the players mentioned at least one if if not how many of the players that are going to be on that joel article we talked about today i haven't started it I just have is the there idea, going so. to be any that you can think of? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely there will. So so the, some of the names that we talked about today will be on that list. Yes. And it's it would be it would be a disservice for them not to be. Okay. All right. So on that note, let's go ahead and wrap things up.
Yeah, so please, everyone, continue to go read our work at the Sixer Sense. As Lucas said, with this downtime, we're still getting great pieces, great articles coming up. We're getting close to uh, having some real conversations about basketball. Obviously, not starting until October, but we're turning to September soon. Um, and everyone, appreciate you listening to the podcast. As always, you can listen to it at Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast. And until next time, go Sixers. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.